this your phone? No, Carol's phone. Carol's phone. All sorts of things up here. Give them to Andrew. Just a bit of housekeeping first. A couple of pencils, who would like? <laughs> well, this morning, we are going to have breakfast on the beach. So I hope you bought some warm clothes. However, as you can see, there's something there that's going to warm us up. It's the story of Jesus meeting with eight of his disciples on the shore of the Sea of Galilee about two weeks after he had risen from the dead. It's a great Bible story, so let's read it. John 21. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realise it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. What a great story. It's a beautiful story. I, I trust that we're just feeling warm as we even read it this morning. Now I'm going to unfold this story under seven headings if we can get there. All have an application to our lives, specifically our life in God. Here's the headings. Listen, learn, live, look, light, love, and if we get there, lift. Firstly, listen. On one occasion, Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear. Now the truth is we've all got ears, but we don't all use them to listen. The message translation said Jesus' words were being, are you listening to me? Really listening? Now shortly before his crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus said to his disciples, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. 
And then a little later, he said to Mary Magdalene, don't be afraid, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. They will see me. That's listen. We come to learn. So the words had been spoken. I'm going ahead of you to Galilee. I'll see you there, guys. They've been listened to, but have they been heeded? Have they learnt to obey them? The answer is yes. Disciples went to Galilee. The journey, it's about 150 kilometres from Jerusalem to Galilee, probably Capernaum, Jesus' hometown, the disciples' hometown. And uh, uh, they'd seen Jesus twice before that in Jerusalem, but they had headed there. And the result of their acting upon Jesus' words was breakfast with Jesus on the beach. The application to us. Do we listen? Have, have, have we got ears that have heard? Really heard? And if so, have we heeded Jesus' words? We're not to just listen, we're to learn from. That's my heading. I'm saying latch on to, lean on, be led by God's words. The result of us doing that as for the disciples, they had breakfast on the beach with Jesus. The result of us heeding, latching on to Jesus' word is that we will receive and enjoy God's blessing, which I'm saying is our own version of breakfast on the beach. Now, Jesus quoted words from Isaiah in the parable of the sower. He said, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Turn and I would heal them. Healing, sozo, salvation. It's as we listen and we heed, as we learn, that's when God's salvation outworks in our lives. Familiar words. Jesus said, where have we gone? Matthew 7, 21. Yep. That doesn't seem right. Let me go to the next one. This is where I wanted to go. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation of the ro- on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams arose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Let's heed God's words. Let's make them our own. Let's build our lives upon uh, what he said. Not just listen, but actually latch on to, to lean against, to be led by his words. Next L is live. Now, this is a point that's hotly debated uh, with regards to this story. John 21.3, Peter said, I'm going out to fish. And they said, we'll go with you. Now, as I've said, the situation is the guys have walked from Jerusalem 
to Galilee, 150 kilometres. They're waiting to see Jesus. Now, some say Peter and the others had already lost their passion for serving the Lord and said, let's go back to fishing. Now, I don't believe that interpretation for a second. I reckon they're going to make good use of their time. Fish caught during the night could be sold the very next day at the market. And it had been their livelihood. They hadn't been fishing for a while. There was probably a financial need in their families. Peter and the disciples, rather than just waiting around for Jesus to show up, they were making good use of their time. They'd already been in uh, Capernaum at the Sea of Galilee for a few days, just waiting for Jesus. I'm sure they were filled with excitement. Can you think for a second that after following Jesus for three years, for seeing him crucified and resurrected, come to you and talk, that they were already losing their weight? No way. They were excited. They were waiting for Jesus. But they said, let's do something tonight and go fishing. We'll make good use of our time. My point, be God-focused, but live a constructive life. Ecclesiastes says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Now, I want to just add to that. That doesn't mean if you're doing a bad thing, do it with all your might. You know, there's a little saying, all things in moderation. No way, you don't moderate a sin, you cut it out. So you do with all your might those things that are constructive and good. Ecclesiastes said, if the axe is dull and it's edged unsharpened, more strength is needed. But skill will bring success. We need to sharpen the axe, develop our skills. For even when we were with you, Paul said, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. I love this scripture. Sometimes we, we get it all mixed up. We think, oh, it's only the, 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 the pastor, it's only the preacher, it's only the missionary that are really serving God. Not so. Whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And another scripture, whatever we do in word or deed, we do as under the Lord. We find our calling and as we serve God in that, he is well pleased with us. I think Jesus encouraged the guys. He didn't stand on the shore and say, why are you guys fishing? Didn't I say I was coming in to watch out for me? Your priorities are wrong, guys. No, he helped them catch fish. In fact, their nets were filled with 153 large fish. Now, I've often had the question asked, how come they counted the fish? Why, why would they bother to count the fish? Well, they were just blown away. They'd fished all night, threw their nets out on the right side, as Jesus uh, said, and, and there's 153 large fish in there. And they were just so, let's count these fish. Shall I get rid of that? Oh, oh, went backwards. Learning, David. I should have a big L on. I usually get him to do this. 5,000 people were fed with five loaves and three. Two. They were, how many people were fed? 3,000 people came to, 300 people came to Jesus on the, the day of Pentecost. And look. I, I know this well because I've got a couple of gum trees over my driveway at home and some possums decided to make it their home. And every morning I'd get up 
and walk up the driveway, I had to dodge possum poo. When I went to the letterbox, my neighbours thought I was dancing. So I thought, I'll deal with this. I put the possum guards around the trunks of the tree. With great excitement, I get up the next morning and go out. My excitement quickly turned to depression. I counted 173 possum poos <laughs> on my driveway. You think, why on earth did you count them? Well, I was just amazed that two possums, <laughs> two possums could do that. Anyway, that just illustrates the point. Why did they count <laughs> the fish? If you didn't like that illustration, I apologise. The net was filled with 153 large fish. And it's an expression of the practical relationship of Jesus and people admit the everyday realities of hard work and professional skills. Jesus will be there helping you as you serve him in whatever calling you work in. And if we do it under the Lord, he's pleased to be with us. God's words will be encouraging and our effort rewarded. And now come to look. I'm sure the guys were on the lookout for Jesus. As I've said, they'd walked with him for three years. They'd witnessed his death and resurrection. They'd headed to the Sea of Galilee as instructed. Been there a few days watching out for Jesus. So they're fishing in the night to catch fish constructively for family, friends and finance. I'm sure they're wondering and, and, and watching out for Jesus. They don't recognise him on the beach. Why? Because you're not glowing with light. Dawn is just breaking. The sun is just getting ready to rise and they're 100 metres off the shore. They heed his shout to throw the nets out on the right side of the boat. The result, the net's filled with fish. John straight away says it's the Lord. Peter puts on his outer garment and jumps into the water and either wades or swims ashore to see his friend Jesus. I just like the fact that when we go swimming, we take our clothes off, have our bathers on. In his case, he's got his bathers on and puts his clothes on. But you know, I just think that's a sign of respect. He wants to respect Jesus and rock up on the boat. Although he's going to be drenched wet, he's got his outer garment on. The rest follow in the boat, towing the net full of fish. Great blessing was to follow, but before we get there, the challenge. We always need to be on the lookout for the presence of God, of Jesus, of the Holy Spirit in our living, in our daily lives. We need to have ears to hear and, and eyes to see. We need to be listening. We need to be looking. We need to be, as I always quote, be open for business. And we need to say, God, I'm open for business. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? Who do you want me to talk to today? We need to be sensitive to the Spirit's leading. You know, one man said, I cannot see God. The other said, I cannot but see God. He's there. He's everywhere. We're told he'll never leave or forsake us. He's with us every day. Are we aware of that? Are we including him in our day? James 4.8, come near to God and he will come near to you. 
Message translation, say a quiet yes to God and you'll be there in no time. <laughs> Proverbs 8, 17, those who seek me, find me. Do we seek him? Because if we do, we'll find him. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. God rewards those who earnestly seek him. So the point of challenge, look out for God. But before I leave this point of look, some wonderful, amazing news, and that is God is always looking out for us. In our story, the disciples out fishing all night, Jesus is on the beach 100 metres from where they are. How did Jesus know where they were? He was looking out for them. He had come to Galilee, like he said, and he thinks, where are these guys? And he finds them. God watches over us. He knows exactly where we are and what we are up to. Psalms says, this is amazing. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. He knows you're sitting in church today. He knows whether you're listening to me or not. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. I've often thought, how can God do that? I'm glad he's looking after me and he's close to me, but there's millions of us. How, how can he know where we are at one time and, and be tracking with us? Do you know what's helped me? Siri on GPS. <laughs> on my phone, I just say, I want to go to Port Pirie, like I did a couple of Sundays ago. He says, she knows where I am. She knows what street I'm on. I can actually see my car on, on the map travelling along. And, and she says, turn right at the next bend. And if I don't, she says, please turn back. Not always that polite, I, I must say. But if I don't, she then, she knows the street that's coming up. She finds a new direction for me. I think if Siri can do that, God can. Now, I know it's satellite, science and Siri, but God's bigger than that. And that's why he's God. And, and he's looking after us. He's looking at us. He knows where we are. And he wants to direct us, like Siri wants to direct us on the right road to get to the destination. God wants to direct our steps onto the road that leads home, the narrow way that leads to eternal life. We come to light. It was a long night fishing for no fish, no reward for the disciples. The Bible just simply said that night they caught nothing. You reckon pretty disappointing for these professional fishermen? Peter, James and John were professional fishermen. I don't know about the others. 
A lot of effort for no reward. A bit depressing, no joy. Where was God? Where was Jesus? But we know he was watching from the beach. It's early morning. The sun is just starting to rise. They don't know it, but there's a warm fire and breakfast ready for them. On Jesus' instruction and their obedience, the net is filled with fish. Jesus not only knew where they were, but he also knew where the fish were. The darkness of the night was about to be filled with beautiful light. These words that God spoke to Jeremiah, I will turn their mourning into gladness. I'll give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. The application for us today, we all go through dark nights, don't we? Times when our best effort achieve no reward. Times of trouble, difficulty come our way. Now I'm not saying that this was the case of the disciples. They perhaps weren't depressed and troubled by the fact they didn't catch fish, but I'm just adding to the application. We need to know in those dark times and times of trouble that God knows where we are. He sees us and cares. And his heart is to bring blessing to our lives. Malachi 4.2 But for those who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings and you go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Psalm 126, those who sow in tears, been there? Sure you have. Will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. We do need to note and understand that we will go through dark nights. There will be tears. There will be tough times. It's part of the journey down here. But God is standing on the shore. He's watching over us. His heart is to bless us, to turn our mourning into gladness and give us comfort and joy. I think we need to be completely honest and admit the truth is not every trouble is turned into blessing at sunrise. Our nets are not always immediately filled with fish. But we read in eight, Romans 8.28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Sometimes we can't see it at the time, but this God who loves us is working in every situation. If we will hand it over to him, he's going to bring good out of it in our lives. And that takes us to Romans 8.18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. There's terrible suffering in this world, but you know what that means? It's going to be glorious in the future. We've put our hand in the hand of Jesus. However, I want to say, even in our troubles, how comforting, encouraging, hope-filled is the fact that every moment of the day, Jesus wants to be with us. You know, my escape, you've heard me say this, I tend to repeat myself over and over, but my escape is to go walking up Belair National Park, just get away from everybody. Narina says I need to do that, have a break from her. 
And uh, I, I'm walking up the park and, you know, I see, I'm walking along and thinking, oh, Jesus, I wish you were walking with me. I didn't, there wasn't a second, he just said, I am. Just like that. And it was so powerful. Like, Jesus, you're here with me. And that encouraged me. Another time, a little later, I'm walking along and I said, God, it's a little bit uh, confusing. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Who am I meant to talk and walk with? The answer came, the three of us. And so I was so encouraged. I just walked up this track. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and David Smythe. It was so good. We just... (laughs) How did we get there, David? Okay. Oh, I know. I didn't give you this scripture. That's the answer. Listen to it. I lift up how where does our where does our strength come from? I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The Lord watches over you. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and evermore. In a way, we can enjoy breakfast on the beach with Jesus every day. We come now to love. This is the L that all the others, all the other L's lead to. Listen, learn, live, look, light. All lead us to love. What an amazing demonstration of the love of God, the love of Jesus. Jesus is God's son. Jesus, the son of God. Jesus, God the Son. He's been crucified. He's risen from the dead. He's the King of Kings. And here he is on the beach on the Sea of Galilee preparing breakfast for his friends. He has a fire to warm them, cooking fish on the fire. He has bread for them to eat and his heart is to bless his friends. This is our God, folks. Humble has a servant's heart. He cares. God is filled with love. In fact, the scripture says God is love. He has a heart that wants to express love towards us. Christianity is not about religious laws. It's about a relationship of love. It's about breakfast on the beach with Jesus. The challenge, God loves us, but... Do we love God? Do we love Jesus? And as the story goes on, Jesus took Peter aside. Now people say Peter needed to be challenged, rebuked because he had denied Jesus three times. Well, do you know what? Peter was the only disciple that followed Jesus to Caiaphas' house. The others had all fled. So I think Peter gets a tick for that. Yes, when he was asked, oh, aren't you one of his followers? He denied it. He was scared. He didn't want to get into trouble. But his heart was still attached to Jesus where the others had all fled. And people say, Jesus asked Peter three times, Peter, do you really love me? Because he denied him three times, he asked him, does he love him? I don't know whether that's true. It could be or not. But the point is, 
Jesus is challenging Peter and just making sure that his priorities are right because Peter's going to be commissioned to head into the world and preach the gospel along with the other disciples. And Jesus wanted to know that his priority was love. That it was love that was motivation. Nothing else. And so Peter was challenged. Do you love me? I love you. Do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Do you love me more than these? He asked once. And people say, what were the these? The fishing gear? Peter, do you love me more than the fishing boat and the gear? Do you love me more than these other guys? I don't think he was saying that. He's just saying, Peter, your motivation has to be love. The challenge is one for all of us to consider. Let's see where we go, David. This is Isaiah 29:13. The Lord says, "These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me." This, this is challenging, folks. Is it just religious law? Is it just something we've been taught to do and so we do it? They worship me. Their worship of me is based merely on merely human rules they've been taught. That's not what it's about. It's about love. And you've read this, but it's worth reading again. If I speak in tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I'm a resounding gong and clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, again nothing. Boy, that puts it into perspective. These three remain, faith, hope and love, but the greatest of these is love. This is a love story. That's what it's about. God's love for us and his desire for us to love him. I know I've shared with you about David Watson, his words in his book, Fear in Oville. I've shared with you on previous occasions, but they're worth sharing again. I, I go to the book and read them over and over again. I just find them so empowering. David Watson, pastor, evangelist, author of some note, diagnosed with cancer in 1983. He died in 1984 at the age of about 51. Not long before his death, he wrote these words. People were saying, God hasn't done anything for David. We've prayed and prayed and nothing has happened. But David responds and says, God has been far from inactive in my life. At 1am on a Sunday morning, I had a bad asthmatic attack. He's writing these words. This experience occurred just a few days or weeks before he died. In my helplessness, I cried out to God to speak to me. I just love this. He says, I'm not very good at listening to God. Isn't that an indication of humility? Here's this great giant of a minister and he says, I'm not good at listening to God. That encourages me. Because sometimes I'm here. I, I don't, I'm here and Kathy's leading songs and, and it's beautiful and I drift off somewhere. And suddenly, God, David, pull yourself together. Or it happens at other times, you know, I'm dreaming and I can relate to what David Watson is saying. I'm not very good at listening to God. Kathy, your song choice was great this morning. I really, really appreciated that. 
But between 1 and 3 a.m., God spoke to me so powerfully and painfully that I've never felt so broken before. He showed me that all my preaching, writing and other ministry was absolutely nothing compared to my love relationship with him. I can leave it there. God's saying, David, what's most important is the fact that we have a relationship of love. The best place to be is having breakfast on the beach with Jesus, knowing his love and loving him back. Can I talk about lift? I'm going to cut it short. God help me because I'm going to do these next three pages in three minutes. <laughs> Not too bad though, it's 11.13. I've been given to 11.25. Let's go. Lift. Where does that come in? The scripture says, when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your hearts. Lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. What is being talked about? We're not only to apply breakfast on the beach to our present, we're to look into the future. We're to lift up our heads, lift up our eyes and, and understand that God has a wonderful future. The sufferings of this present time not worthy to be compared with the glories that God has in store for us. These things that are beginning to take place, we are told that there'll be certain conditions that we can see in our world that are indications that our redemption is drawing near. What, what does that, that mean? It means that our full salvation is about to be realised. We're on a journey there. You know that we've been born again, but there's still a lot of work to be done in our lives and, and great things are going to happen. We're going to get new bodies and, and amazing, amazing times are up ahead. Full salvation will be realised. I think we're seeing some of those signs in our world now. Our world is a troubled place. But not even Jesus. He said, I don't even know the time, the date that I'm coming back, but just be observant. In fact, Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may be where I am. He's coming back. Jesus told the disciples he'd see him on the shore of Galilee. He's telling us he's coming back. Now, I don't know where he's going to touch down. Jerusalem, maybe? Who knows where, but we're told every eye is going to see him. Jesus said, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Jesus is saying to us, 
Like he said to the disciples, I'll see you in Galilee. He's saying, keep watch, I'm coming back. Keep watch, I'm coming back. Doesn't mean we don't live constructively as we've already talked. And you know what? When he comes back, it's not going to be just breakfast on the beach. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's when Jesus the groom and his church the bride celebrate full salvation together. I don't know exactly what it means, but it's going to be good. Who is going to be there? Everyone is invited. Those that will be there are those that have, like Peter, got out of the boat, swum ashore and gone to Jesus. Or like the others that came ashore in the boat and went up to Jesus and received his love. We might not have to swim to him this morning or row in a boat, but I'm using that in a symbolic way. If you want to be there, if, if you want to enjoy God's love, if you want him to direct your life, if, if you, you want to have breakfast on the beach, marriage supper of the Lamb, come to Jesus. Just say, Jesus, I want you to be my saviour. I want, to, I, want, I want to feel your loving embrace. I want you to be my friend. I want to be your friend. If we do that sincerely, his spirit will come into our lives and we'll be a member of the family and be heading to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Let me see what I was going to say. Let me read this, considering the future. A mix of my words and borrowed words. The time will come when the night will be over and the morning sun of eternity break out upon us. It will be at this time that we find that our work has not been fruitless. On the beach we'll see Jesus standing and know that it is him. Then one last plunge through the chill sea and we shall partake of the preparations which love has made and he will say come and dine that's about it I'm wanting to pray a closing prayer and whilst it will be a prayer for everyone it's going to specifically be directed to those who feel like they've been fishing all night but caught no fish. You feel like you're going through a dark night, a troubled time. So wanting the sun to rise, the darkness disappear. If you would so appreciate breakfast on the beach by a warm fire, a loving hug from Jesus, I want to pray for you. I've written out my prayer. So I'm going to read it. You know, we say, let's shut our eyes and bow our, bow our heads. That, 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 that's, that's, that's a reasonable request, but you don't have to shut your eyes and bow your head to pray. But 
you might like to. If, if, if this is you, you don't have to stand or put up your hand. Just, just say, Jesus, that's my prayer. So I pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Demonstrated on the shore of the Sea of Galilee 2,000 years ago. We know your love for us is just the same today. You come looking for us. You know exactly where we are and what we're going through. Lord, may those of us who are going through a dark night, difficult, troubling situations, may we be comforted by your love and care. May we be encouraged not to give up. May the sun of righteousness with healing in its wings rise upon us. May we find peace, joy and hope in your love. Lord, as we do what we can, we lean on you to do what we can't. May we find fish in our nets. Answers to our prayers thrown out on the right side of the boat. Father, we all say thank you for your love and the hope we have in Jesus. Help us to see and hear what you are saying to us. Help us to minister in the power of the Spirit. Jesus, we look forward to seeing you in your, on your return and all that the future holds for us because of your love. Father, these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.